theyeshiva.net. Okay, good morning, everybody. Today's class is dedicated by J.N. Robin Ticker, Besayata <coughs> Deshmaya, Beschus in the Merit of Moshe Mardechai Shmuel Shloyme Yitzchak Ben Sipoyda Chefziba Fegerezel. For all the blessings and Atzlacha and all, thank you so, so much. We're going to learn the second mimer of the Balatanya here on Parshas Vayera. It's page 28 in Torah Er. <coughs> the second column on top, Erdana. In the Hebrew, it's Yud Dalet, column 4. <coughs> on the yeshiva.net, we always have the source sheets. So you can always also download it over there or open it up over there. Near the video, they have the source sheets. Okay, 28, column 2 on the top, Erdena. So this, this Maimer that we're starting today, last week we learned the Maimer about Bris. In Parshas Noyach we learned the Maimer of Mayim Rabbim about the flood. Last week we learned the Maimer about the Bris, the Paroiches, the Mosach, the veil, removing it, the concept of the Arla, the foreskin of existence. The change from Avram to Avraham. This Maimer of this week, Parshas Vayera, is an extremely, extremely deep Maimer. Very, very deep. It's very profound. As is the previous one of this Parsha, Pasach which is connected to this one as well. It really delves into some of the major themes that Jewish philosophy dealt with, and then Kabbalah dealt with, Machshava dealt with, and Chassidus dealt with. At the surface, it could seem very, very abstract. Really, as you get more into it, you come to discover its uh, life-changing applications in real life. But this is a journey into some of the fundamental themes that were dealt with throughout the generations and the unique contribution of Teres HaBal of the Baal Shem Tev, and particularly of the Balatanya and Chabad Chassidus to these, to these questions. I'm going to begin this year with a story. The connection to the story you'll see later, not right now, but I just want to begin with a story. The Baal Shem Tev had a student, his name was Repinchas Karitzer. Repinchas of Karitz. Karitz is the town, the city where he came from, and his first name was Repinchas. He was one of the greatest students of the Vashamtiv, and he was a considered uh, also an extraordinary human being. A very, a very holy and worked out person. And he had many students of his own. So the story is that Repinchas Karitz had a student, a Talmud or a Chassid, and he was living in his shtetl. The person had a very, very difficult life. Now, the truth is, what you call a difficult life in the shtetl in the 18th century, times of the Baal Shem Tev, life was not rosy. If you compare it to later stages in history, for example, life today, despite all the tragedy, despite the pain that people have, but just day-to-day living was uh, extremely, excruciatingly difficult. 
But within that itself, there's levels. This person had a particularly what you would call miserable life, both in terms of poverty and illness and challenges in the family. Every tzara that could befall somebody befell him. I don't know, every tzara, he had a lot, a lot of problems, a lot of challenge, a lot of pain. And one day, he was in his house, whatever the house looked like, probably called a hut better, and he asked himself the following question. Does Hashem know everything I'm going through? Does He feel everything I'm going through? Does He empathize? Does He experience what I'm going through? That was Kate. Now, the moment he realized that this question came to him in his mind, he said, oh, this is not good. I have to go to the Pinchas <laughs> I have to go to the Pinchas I need, uh, I need, you know, uh, recharge, realignment. So he got into his, uh, he got into his whatever he had. I don't know what he had, uh, uh, some carriage or horse, or went to Balagola Wagoneer. He got onto the coach to the carriage, and he went off to Karitz. He came to the Pinchas Karitzer, so there was a stable there where people would put their horses. So he walked. He went by the porch. And uh, to go to the stable. Rapinchas Karitzer opened the window, saw him, stuck out his head, and gave a scream in Yiddish. Ich weiß. Und <laughs> I also know. You think Hashem doesn't know? He didn't stop. He went back home. It was enough. Ich weiß. Und nicht. That's the mice, that's the story. A number of years ago, I went to the oil of the Lubavitcher Rebbe in Queens, Montefiore. So I went to the mikveh, there's a tent over there. So I was writing a, a kvittel, a pan. So there was a yid sitting there, and he was from the very big rabbanim in Toronto. His name is Rabbi Shachat. He's an elder yid. So sein gesund. His father, was a Jew by the name of Reb Doiv Yehuda Shachat, Reb Yehuda Doiv Shachat, who was a Telzer. He was from the prominent Talmudim in Tels in Lithuania. Then he became the rabbi of uh, Basel, of Switzerland. He escaped the war, and he settled in Toronto. And he was a, the literature world, he was a very big Talmud Chachem. He was a prominent person. The Shachat family, or most of the Shachat family, the big minds are his children. So this is his oldest son. He's a Rav in Toronto. So he was sitting there also by the oil. I had a grandfather who escaped Stalinist Russia, and he got a visa to come to Canada. So he came to Toronto in 1952. But he had cancer. He had stomach cancer. So he died right soon after he came to Toronto. Maybe a year later, a year and a half later, 1953. A very young man, 53. And then a year later, his wife died. My grandmother died. She was 44, also in Toronto. And they had three children they left. My father was the oldest, and he had a younger brother and a baby brother. So Rabbi Shachat tells me, he says, you know, I remember Yezeda. When I was a, when I was a young bachet, I remember Yezeda. His name was Reb Simen. Simen Yakabashvili. He was a Georgian Jew. And he was arrested by Stalin in 1938. And he was tortured terribly for years and then sent to the Gulag. He went through a lot. And... Uh, 
He came out ultimately, but he died shortly after. So Rabbi tells me, I want to tell you something, that I remember that once your Zayda met with my father. And uh, he said, I remember him asking my father one question. He said, told me in Yiddish, he asked my father, my, my Zayda had stomach cancer, and it was a lot of pain. So he says, the Rebbe felt the schmerzen was ich hab mein Bauch. You think the Rebbe experiences the pain I have in my stomach? Tell me, what do you think? So that's what he told me. I remember the story about the Pinchas Karitzer. So that's, why did he ask the question? Why did the Chassid of the Pinchas Karitzer ask the question? Because people go through things in life. And one of the deepest questions, emotionally, not just emotionally, existentially, is, am I alone? Ultimately, am I alone or am I not alone? And we all know that there is an instinct sometimes in people to feel that loneliness, to experience that loneliness. Especially, I should add, if somebody on a good days, their attachment is not so powerful or wasn't so powerful as a child, so maybe their go-to place is, I'm alone in the world. And when pain comes up, the loneliness just becomes so much more emphasized because when you're doing well, you're doing well, you know, you're on top of the game. When I'm both down and alone, it's it's very, very difficult. And it exasperates, it increases the depth of the agony. This discussion is at the core of the Mimer. Now, the Mimer doesn't mention the word loneliness, doesn't mention the word uh, that you use, and doesn't mention, uh, it seems like a very, very philosophical, I'm not going to say philosophical. In, in Chabad Chassidus, they say there's two types of Maimarim, Haskala and Avoida. Haskalah means it deals with truths of existence. And Avaidah means it deals with personal struggles or personal life. The truth is there's no difference. They're both the same. The Haskalah Maimarim are all Avaidah, just they're in a different language. And the Avaidah Maimarim are based on Haskalah. The question is, is the language that's easily accessible and that you have to discover. That's a short introduction to this Maimarim. Maim itself starts off on one of those unique psukim in Tanakh that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those psukim like very, very moving psukim and very difficult to grasp. Let's remember the context. It's Parshas Vayera. Avram Avinu had a bris. Hashem in Lech Lecha. Hashem comes to visit him. In the middle, three guests come. They turn out to be heavenly angels. They leave, he, he hosts them, he feeds them, he gives them to drink, they bless Sarah and himself with a child, they promise a child, off they go. Off they go to Zdaim. And then there's a unique scene in Chumash, a very rare scene anywhere in Tanakh. Hashem starts speaking to himself. It's very rare. And what does he say? Am I going to really hide from Avram my plans? It doesn't make sense. Knowing who Avram is, how can I not share my vision, my plans with Avram Avinu? Usually in Chumash, when Hashem wants to tell something to somebody, He tells it to him. <laughs> he doesn't say, should I hide from Noyach what I'm going to say? Should I hide from what, I'm, what I think? Should I hide from Moshe? It doesn't work that way. No, nowhere. He goes over, He says what He wants to say. Are there things He doesn't say? I'm sure this God, God could say other things. He doesn't say everything. 
He comes to the bush, from the bush, and the bush, marches by a bush, he tells him what he wants to tell him. He tells Noyach what he wants to tell him, tells Adam what he wants to tell him. By Avram Avinu, he says, a whole introduction, it's almost like he's grappling. Really, I shouldn't be sharing this information. It's, it's, <laughs> it's confidential. <laughs> this is off limits. But, how could I? Like, really, I shouldn't. That's the issue. He's grappling. So this is Hashem's internal dilemma. People read Chumash fast. They don't realize what's happening. But it's extremely, it's like, a, it's a very intense posse. And Then he decides, I have to tell him. So he goes over to him. He reveals himself to Avram. And he starts talking to him about the horrors in Zdoim. The outcry, the sins, the corruption, the evil, the narcissism, the selfishness, the cruelty has has gone beyond limits. And then he tells, he shares the following with Avram, just to quote the Pasuk, because this is going to be the foundation. So he tells Avram, the cry, the zaka, the, the moral outcry of Zdoim and Amoyre is tremendous, it's titanic. The corruption, the sin is kavdamoid, it's extremely heavy. Erdana, I'm going to go down. I'm going to take a journey, I'm going to descend. Ve'era, and I'll see. There's a psik, a line, color. Literal translation. I'll go down and see. The cry that's coming to me, did they indeed do? And then I'll annihilate. If not, I'll know. If not, I'll know. And that's it. That's what he tells Avram. That's the end of the conversation. The people already went to Malachim, already went to Zdoim. Avram is standing in front of Hashem and now starts his whole famous negotiation process. Maybe there's 50 tzaddikim in the city. How can you destroy a city when there's 50 tzaddikim? And he starts giving the Rebbeinu Shalom a quite heavy, what would seem Musa. Where he says, Chalil Alecha. This is completely inappropriate for you. You don't kill a tzaddik with a rasha. Chalila lecha, he says twice, Chalil Rashi says, Chalila come the word chulin, this is disgraceful, this is mundane. Hashoifet kalaretz layasim mishpat. Will the judge of the whole world not be just? You're the judge, and you're going to be unjust. You're also quite surprised by this conversation. You call me the judge, but then you tell me I don't know what I'm doing. You know, what happened to humility? Yeah. And then Hashem says, you know what, you're right, if there's 50 tzaddikim, you're right. And then Avram goes to, we all know he goes down all the numbers, right? What if there's 45? You're right, I won't destroy. What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? What if there's 10? Even 10 I won't destroy. And that's the end of the conversation. Hashem goes to his, Hashem says, Hashem says goes away, and Avram goes back to his place. The next, the next, the next parship, the next chapter, Perikit, this is 18. Perikit is 18. Perikit is 19. This is the story of Lloyd and Zdoim, the destruction of Zdoim. The Balatanya starts off with what seems like a grammatical issue. You would expect, he says, let me go down and see. It doesn't say her cry doesn't say his cry doesn't say their cry and then it says it doesn't say 
Tsaika is cry, and especially her cry. So her cry as she comes to me. Asu did they do. Asu goes from the singular to the plural, and can also be masculine or feminine. Asu they did. So you would expect either, he says, let me go and see. Their cry, the, the moral outcry that's coming to me, did they do it, Taka? Very good. You begin with plural, you end with plural. You start off with singular feminine. Her cry, maybe, did she do? No, did they do? That's one change. We know that this is a very important question because Rashi himself asks this question. And because of this, Rashi gives different interpretations, including that there was a story with a girl, a whole girl, that's it. But the, this, the, 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 that's the one issue. What does it mean, I'll go down and I'll see? Basically, from here, it's very hard to know what's going on. I'll have to go down and see. And then, I'll know what's going, down, what's going on. Hashem is gazing from heaven. He doesn't know what's happening if he doesn't go down. Again, Rashi asks this question. It's hard to understand what he means by Erdan, I'm going to go down. You would think, wherever he is, he knows. <laughs> in fact, if he doesn't know, so how does he know what's happening in his dime? He knows something, but he doesn't know all the details, like what's going on here. So it's very ambiguous. The meaning of the word, her outcry. It's the cry that comes... It's the roar that comes from what's called Midas Adin, the attribute of Din, of judgment, Shibchines Midas Malchus, which is associated in Kabbalah with the Midah of Malchus, Shenikras Din, Dina de Malchus Adina. In Gemara, there's a famous expression that's often used, Dina de Malchus Adina. Literally, it means the law of the land is the law. A Jew is obligated by Torah to follow the law of the land, of course, if the law is not morally reprehensible and corrupt. But if the law is within the parameters of Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Noyach, a person is obligated, and the expression of Chazal is, Dine, the Malchus, Dine. It has, it has power, it has, it, it's the law, even according to Allah. But on a deeper level, it represents something else, especially the redundancy, that Malchus represents Din. Malchus represents law, order, structure, like the Mishnah says in Perkeyavis, have a mispalel, right? Reb Chanina ben Dois, have a mispalel, b'shloimer shal malchus, shal mali moira, ishes reyu chayim bloy. Pray for the welfare of malchus. Malchus is government, leadership, the king, the queen, because without its discipline and fear, people would swallow each other up alive. Complete anarchy. So malchus represents din, structure, discipline, sometimes penalties, consequences, as law, law and order. Let's call it law and order. He says, That's always feminine. Midas Hadin, we'll see, is feminine. It's Malchus is feminine. It also ends with a Saf, and that's why it's feminine. And that's the concept of the cry coming from Midas Hadin. But in real Malchus, it's a weak Din. In other words, the point is not to judge and oppress. This Din Akashya is a harsh Din. Din Rafya from the word Rafwa is soft, benign. Malchus is supposed to be benign. It's, it's there for the benefit of the people. It's not there to oppress. You have a din that's it's kosher. 
It's a baldinim, it's very strict. In Adafia means on the contrary, I want the benefit of everybody. And that's why you have to have law and order, you have boundaries. Melech bin Mishpat Yamid Aretz. As the Pasuk says in Mishle, Perik Chavtes, a king establishes his country through Mishpat, through justice. And you can't change justice for every person, because then there's no justice. Right? I can't say, oh, you know, I like you, so therefore, <laughs> you know, you could steal. It, you have to have Melech bin Mishpat Yamid Aretz. But the point is, Mishpat, Mishpat means fairness, justice. Dinerafia. V'zeo shekosav achiktzak and that's why the Pasa continues. Her cry, in the feminine. Why? Because you're talking about Midas Hadin. It says in Megillus Esther, talking about the women that Achashverish brought in order to choose a new queen. You remember how they come at night and they go back in the morning. It speaks there about how Achashverish was dealing with all the girls that were brought. So Ba'erev he ba, Vabaiki Shava. In Parshas Vayetzi it says, Virachal Ba imhatsain. So the word ba refers not to the masculine, but to the feminine. Vayavan. But this is ba, because we're talking about, ah, we're talking about Midas Hamalchus feminine, so it says ba. That's his introduction to the answer, which he's going to get back to. To understand all of this, he named Hagdim. We first have to introduce Loshin Hashagur, Bidrashas Chazal, a language that is common in in Chazal. In other words, if you learn through Shas, in many Mesechtas of Shas and Midrashim, you have this expression. What's the expression? It's revealed and known before he who spoke and the world came into being. This is an expression often in Gemara. You have it in Erevin and in Kiddushin and in Chulin and in Sanhedrin and in other places and in Medrashim Golivyadu. Almost in a passive way. It doesn't say, the expression usually is not as Hashem Yoideya, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yoideya. It says, it's known. It's revealed and known. We say it also in the Bracha of Hashayotza, right? It's known. Usually a person says, I know, or he knows, or she knows, or I'm aware. But here the language that Chazal usually use when they want to describe divine knowledge is, it's known, it's revealed. Why is this their expression? Rather than saying, Hashem knows. Hashem yedeya, hu yedeya. Nilu lahasig inyan protus. The philosophers nilu. The word nilu means they were exhausted by the concept of ashgacha protus. <laughs> the word nila means exhausted, we- worn out, tired, perturbed. Something that exhausts you, that that, that confuses you. It's overwhelming. It's called nilu. You have it in Tanakh, Nilo in Ilesi. You have it in Parsha Shmois. Vinilu Mitzrayim Lishtus Mayim in Ayyayir. Because it was all bloody. They were, they were too exhausted. They were always trying to drink water. They couldn't. There was blood. Vinilu. Huh? Leia. Was? Leia. Yeah, Metgelen, Demaimaf Leia. Rachel and Leia. Leia means exhaustion. And then the Torah, Parsha later, we learned about Manam. Kisnualeya, if you remember, right? You think you're marrying Rachel? You remember the Maimer? 
Huh? You think you're marrying Rachel? And you marry Leah, and then you have to figure out that it's always in Leah with the relationship. Alma discussia. So he says, a philosopher, the philosopher is Nilu. They grapple terribly with the theme of Ashgacha Pratis. Kemoy, for example. The Gemara says in Maseches Chulin, Ein Adam Malmata, Elim Kein Chulin A person doesn't stub. Noikif means stub. A person doesn't stub his finger below unless there was an announcement above. <laughs> in other words, even such a, what would seem small and inconsequential event, like stubbing your finger, noikif means ungeklapped. You, you bang your finger, right? Even that is preceded by achrazam al There was an announcement in heaven. There was an announcement that Rebbeinu Shalalem, this finger should be stubbed. Hashgach practice doesn't just mean there's a system, there's an algorithm, and everything just follows the algorithm. That's not Hashgach Algorithms are not Hashgach Algorithms are God for art, good for artificial intelligence and computers. Hashgach means individual providence. The word is protis, not klolis. The philosophers, this drove them crazy. The word is nilu. It drove them crazy, this concept. And, and for a good reason. The reason he's going to give is a very sophisticated reason. It's not, most people would think the reason is going to be because, oh, God cares, well, he doesn't care. The reason he gives there is a very deep reason why they grappled with individual providence, individual divine providence for every detail. You know, you could say it's too much, it's too much to deal with. But today in the computer age, we know that's not a question, right? To quote the Pinchas Karitzer, Google knows. <laughs> Google knows. God doesn't know. <laughs> you put on your phone, you could see me from Australia. God can't see me. That limitation that people used to think, well, well, well he knows, he sees. <laughs> Google sees. Google knows. Alts. <laughs> they know where I am, what I'm doing. I'm soon going to get a note. <laughs> but it's algorithms. Today is not a Pella, Right? Between once the radio got developed and then television, telegrams and radio and television and computer revolution and now the internet revolution, it's half of a fella. You see the world as a bedroom. What bothered them was something much deeper. Essentially, it doesn't make sense. Why? So he says as follows. The kashalam, kivun shehu yizbarach yachidu meyuchad echad ha'emes. This is a sophisticated question. Since he is one and singular, yachid means one and only, and meyuchid means singular and the one truth. Life is made up of detail after detail after detail after detail. Everything is comprised of tiny little small details. How can you say that he knows, he's aware of the details? And the providence is individualistic, meaning it's detailed, it's nuanced. It means that his mind is constantly tuning in to endless, diverse nuances and details. This represents ultimate multiplicity. Thinking about something means I'm occupied with it. I didn't have it, I didn't know it before, and I know it now. So in other words, there is change. I'm comprised of many different aspects. Hashgach if you're taking it seriously, 
We use the word Ashgacha Pratis in Ashgacha Pratis. <laughs> I was walking out of the bank one day. Somebody sees me, says, It's Ashgacha Pratis. I have to talk to you. I need a half an hour, it's Ashgacha Pratis. <laughs> I would push that to go somewhere, I had a shear. So I said, You'll forgive <laughs> You'll forgive me. <laughs> but if I leave now, I push it to have a shear. It's also going to be Ashgacha Pratis. I must. <laughs> Even if you didn't meet me, it's also Ashgacha Pratis. You wish it's Ashgacha Pratis. When something works out the way I like it, you say it's Ashgacha Pratis. If I miss the airplane, it's also Ashgacha Pratis. <laughs> if I don't find the parking place, it's also Ashgacha Pratis. Ashgacha Pratis, they said, it, it, it's really, it, it, it's constantly redefining God. So he's busy with this. He, either he's occupied with it or he's not occupied with it. And so many Prata means it's not Achtos. The philosophers understood that Hashem, and even the early philosophers that were not Jewish, understood that the world has a cause, the first cause. But the first cause, you can't define, you can't compartmentalize, it's Achdus. Hashgacha Pratis runs contrary to that. I'm engaged. It's like if you're aware of somebody's details, you're constantly changing in the process. If you tune in, some people detach in life. We understand this emotionally. But if you're tuned into life, right? If you're tuned into people's experiences and people's emotions, you change or you don't change? <laughs> you're not this stoic robot. You're constantly changing emotionally and intellectually. I'm learning new things every moment when you're in a relationship. People are changing. Hashkoch means I'm aware, I'm in tune with every single detail and life is made up of details. It's not made up of some abstract, transcendent, undefined reality. We don't live in that world. So it was much easier to say, God is one and there's no Hashgach Pratis. He's in a world of singularity and you know, we live in the sandbox of, of, of a lot, a lot of details. And it was, it was, a, it was a simpler, it was a simpler uh, algorithm for philosophy. This idea that you're stubbing your finger and Hashem is really involved in that, and it's not one person stubbing their finger, it's every detail 24-7 of every person in existence. And according to the Shittas of Hashem, not just a person, but every animal. And not just an animal, but every blade of grass and every leaf. And not just a blade of grass, but every grain of sand and flake of snow. Flake of snow. And every atom and every cell and every detail in this planet and in every planet, and the entire cosmos, spiritually and physical, and it's all Ashgach Pratis. Laws of nature that everybody agreed with. But Ashgach Pratis is that within those laws, those laws of nature are also Ashgach Pratis. But the point of Ashgach is that it's not a system. You're right. If it's a system, and you're removed from the system, you can go home, you made a system, you could retire, you're right. That's what they tie in it. What I'm saying is, look, maybe Ashgach Pratis is the time when everyone shall pays attention, extra attention. Everything else that runs by nature, Right, and that and that's part of the Ashgachapratis. That's part of the Ashgachapratis. That's the Chiddush of Ashgachapratis, that even the stubbing of the finger, right, the fact that this, this law is happening right now, it's part of an active act of creation, even the laws of nature. In other words, there are systems that are created, and those systems work. He says, "A philosophim. If you learn, if you learn the philosophers, that's what they grappled with. He wants to understand. Baltan wants to understand. The Chazal kivnu letaritz be dibur echad. 
The Chazal wanted to answer this. Their kavana was to answer this question with one statement. Ba'amram when they said, Gali v'yadua. That's why they used the words Gali v'yadua. The reason they used this expression, Gali v'yadua, was the Balatanya says to answer this question. How does it answer it? Gali v'yadua lifnei chuli. She'ein yidiyasa yizbarach kedimyen yidiyasa adam ezidavah. To explain that there's a different type of knowledge. Hashem's knowledge is not like a person's knowledge. A person's mind grasps something. Initially he wasn't aware of this or she wasn't aware of this. Now when I become aware of this thing, So now my mind by definition needs to be involved, engaged, enclosed. Almost like I'm getting dressed. I have to go into this shirt. I have to go into this pair of pants. Mentally, I'm engaged. My mind is now entering and engaged with this idea, with this person, with this awareness, with this emotion. The person's mind is engaged with this thought that is now focused. You have to tune in, zoom in or zoom out to grasp it. Prior to this knowledge, the mind was vacant or was involved in something else. So now there's a change and there's an effect. The person is constantly learning or discovering new, new things and there's a change on every level, mentally and emotionally and physically and spiritually. And his pilus, the person is affected. So Chazal coming to say, when you're talking about Hashem, Hashem knowing all the worlds and the details of the worlds, it doesn't mean that his das is enclosed and therefore defined by it, grasped by it. It's almost like it contains him, it defines him. That's why they use the words. It's revealed and known. It would be like it's known Automatically it's known. In order to know something, he doesn't have to be enclosed in it and defined by it and contained by it that it would create a change or it would create multiplicity. This is true about knowledge, so therefore it's also true about hashgacha. It's even more than this. He gives life to everything. He creates everything. What about that? He says, they're talking about knowledge or providence. What about creation? He's creating everything, and everything means all of the systems and all of the details. Not by becoming defined by that thing. But rather, as explained in different Maimadim, including in Tanya 48, chapter 48, through Sevi Kalman. Sevi Kalman means he encompasses all of the worlds. He gives an example of Tanya. Sometimes a person, imagine you imagine the planet in your head, or you imagine a rock in your head, or a person in your head. The whole person is in your head. The whole person is there. But by us, it's just a thought. The physical reality is not there. Sevi Kalman is the concept yeah. that Hashem's thought, Kivayachal, 
actually creates that reality. But how does it create it? He says it's called Soiv of Kalama. Soiv of Kalama means it transcends being defined by the item that's created. So if creation doesn't demand that he is now defined by this limited thing that was created, so knowing it, knowing it and its details doesn't have to be what's called through his slapshus. His slapshus means engagement, being enclosed, utfisa, being defined by it. And because Chazal used the word goli v'yadua, it's known and revealed, So the question that there's multiplicity, there's multiplicity in Hashem, is not a question. This is when you're talking about the species of a person and his or her type of knowledge. He can't know anything unless his mind and his thought are engaged and enclose themselves in knowing that thing. And in that process, there is addition and change. This is the meaning of the Pasuk in Yeshayah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Why? Because it's revealed and known. Everything is known and revealed. But they don't use the word he knows. And he says in parentheses, The person who's very perceptive or very very, uh, aware of this type of wisdom will appreciate the subtlety of these words. Not every brain will contain this. <laughs> this is a statement. The Baltai doesn't usually make these statements, even though you could probably say it about every mimer, but he wants to make this statement about what he just said. <clears throat> just like one of their question was, their question was, when a person is aware of things, right? It changes me. A moment I didn't know, now I didn't know about this, now I do know about it. And even the process itself is a changing process. It's not just to have new information. person has to be engaged. This becomes part of me. So I'm constantly going through change. A person, a person is not an abstract, singular, transcendent reality. It's called murkov. There's something called achtos. There's something called murkov. Achtos means one. Murkov means we're composite. Everything is composite of many. We're compartmentalized. So if there's awareness of everything... Of every detail in the world, this was their taina. So that's a form of engagement. That's a form of change. It's shinui, there's ribui, there's a spilos. No, they believed. The idea that there was no God bechlal, that's a chiddush of, of modernity. Even the ancients, they believed there's something, there's a source. Moshe Aristotle, right? He was considered the greatest Greek philosopher. He believed that the world is a kadmain. In other words, there was a primal source. The world was also always there. And that was Bechlalov idea. The Big Bang changed that. The 1920s, then the 1960s. That there was actually a beginning. But their, their idea was that the definition of Hashem, the, the way they defined Hashem, which made sense to them, the algorithm they gave for God was that it's unchangeable, unmovable, unchangeable. Yeah. So what's the Balatanya saying here? This question was dealt with by the Jewish philosophers, right? The Rambam, for example, the Rambam addresses this. And the Rambam, the, the Al-Tarebbe says that in Gemara, the answer is two words, Goli v'yadua. The Rambam addresses this in, in Mishnah Torah and Amir Nebuchadnezzar. And the Rambam says that 
famous Rambam, that by a person there's three things. There's Yodeya, there's Yodua, and there's Mada. By Hashem, Hua Yodeya, Vuhua Yodua, Vuhua Mada. That's his expression. In Hilchus Yisraeli Atayra, in Hilchus Truva, in Marir Nevuchim. What's the Rambam saying? He also uses the word, Like you said, he knows himself, and from that he knows everything else. So this is the Rambam's way of answering how philosophically Hashem knows everything, even though he's singular. Because he just has to know himself. To give an example, this is the example of the Rambam, it's not my example, the guy to the perplexed. The Rambam's example is as follows, very interesting example. There's a difference between a craftsman who builds a vessel, he knows the vessel, I also know the vessel, but there's a difference. What's the difference between the knowledge of the one who built it and the knowledge of the one who sees it after it was built? Or a piece of music that was written by a composer, he knows the music, I also know the music. But there's a difference. What's the difference? An architect builds a house, or a contractor builds a house, I also know the house. But there's a difference between him or her knowing the house and me knowing the house. What's the difference? The Rambam says that the craftsman, the Uban, he knows the vessel before there was a vessel. In fact, his knowledge is the cause of the vessel. The reason there's a vessel is because of his knowledge. The vessel comes from him, the music comes from him. I know the vessel, I know the house, I know the music, from the music, from the house, from the vessel, after it was created. To put it this way, in a philosophical terms, what's the sibba, what's the mesuvah? What's the cause and what's the effect? For me, the house is the cause, and my knowledge is born from the, from the cause. My knowledge is the effect that comes after the cause. There's a house, I come into the house, I look at it, I study it, oh, now I know it. I look at this vessel and I'm like, look at this, wow. My knowledge follows the reality of the vessel. For the one who made it, what follows what? The cause is him. The vessel is the mesuvav. The vessel is an effect from him. The music is born in his soul, in his passion. It was Beethoven, was one of the greatest composers. He turned deaf. He still wrote music. He, didn't even, he couldn't even hear his music. He was, at some point he was completely deaf. And he wrote compositions. He wrote symphonies, brilliant symphonies. He couldn't, even if he wanted, he couldn't hear the music. It was completely born within his imagination. And then there were notes. When I hear the music, the music is the Sibba. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm the, my knowledge is the Sibba. For the creator of this music or this vessel or this house, it's the other way around. They don't know the music from the music. They don't, he doesn't need to know the vessel from the vessel. He knows it all from... From, from his atzma. So the Rambam says, Knowing himself, he knows everything. Why? Because everything essentially comes from that. So it's not that I have to engage with the thing and know it and study it and analyze it. No. All I have to do is know myself. What does, God, what does it mean, God's self-knowledge? He says, that's God's infinite knowledge. So that's the expression in Chazal, Goli v'yaduah. It's revealed and known. Not I know. I go and I have to learn it and study it from the mesuvah, from the, from the world I get to know it. I know what's happening inside of you because you tell me because I watch. But it all is from him. So if it's all of him, all he has to know him is himself. And automatically everything is known. That's what the Rambam times. 
That's what Chazal mean Goliviyah do, and therefore there could be awareness of everything, and it doesn't compromise infinite singularity and uh, transcendence. Goliviyah That's why they use the words Goliviyah Dua. It's known. Yeah, it's known. Their problem with Hashgach Pratis was that it's known, that even that he knows. And every Prat. Yeah, so that's what they explained. These philosophers, they were okay with the fact that an infinite, um, omnipotent God, we don't know where he began, we don't know where he ends, he can speak Yeshus. That they have, they're okay with, and they're only not okay with that's what he said in parentheses if he creates a whole world the question shouldn't only be on knowledge the question should be on creation how can from singularity come diverse creation that's his question that's what he says in parentheses instead of asking a question on knowledge or providence ask a bigger question you created it all not only you know it (laughs) and the world everyone knows is diverse and the world is constantly in a dynamic and in change. So the Balatanya's time is, according to this, that Goli Viyadua is in knowledge and in creation in a chanami. Why in a chanami? Because creation also, this creation, like a, the famous expression in Pasek, Yehallu Hashem Hashem Kihut Siva Vinivro. <laughs> a similar expression, we say in Pesukah Dezimra and Talib. He commanded Vin, and they were created. When they were created, he created them. It's like Goliviyadua, they were created. From infinity, from infinity, they were created without infinity changing and being consumed by the details, just as a knowledge. Why? Because the creation doesn't define me. The creation is defined by me. I define it, it doesn't define me. It comes from his bleakville, from his ain't Now here you have, <laughs> right here you have, a classic representation of the concepts that float through philosophy in general, through Jewish philosophy in particular. That the philosophers try to constantly protect God, so I'm using the word protect, shield Hashem from corporal, corporal reality, from changing, from, from, from being vulnerable, from uh, multiplicity, from being imperfect, from uh, getting emotional, <laughs> from uh, having moods, from going through processes. Why? Because philosophically, that was a big problem. Because by definition, if you want the creator of matter, space, and time, he has to transcend matter, he has to transcend time, he has to transcend space, he has to transcend, you know, every kid asks the father, so who created Hashem? By the big debates, yeah, atheists love saying, okay, so the world needs a creator, right? Because it's so intelligent, it's so intricate. Granted, and who created the creator? Oh, checkmate. <laughs> so the creator also needs a creator. So thank you. So why doesn't the creator need a creator? The Ram has an expression, it's intrinsic to reality. What makes it intrinsic to reality? So any of the properties of creation couldn't be applied to the Creator. Because if any of the properties of creation would be applied to the Creator, what would happen? Then who created the Creator? The cell needs a creation, right? A Creator, right? The Big Bang needs a Creator. Yeah, the atom needs a Creator. So who created the Creator of the cell? 
He's also a cell. So if you apply any properties of creation to creator, you're stuck. So the philosophers, the Jewish philosophers, were very sensitive to this. Today people don't read so much the works of Jewish philosophy, but if you read the works of Reb Sa'ad Yagon, he was one of the greatest Jewish philosophers ever. He's a safer, Munez Vedeus. If you read the works of the Rambam, who was considered the greatest Jewish philosopher, Meir Nevuchim, you read the works of the Ralbag, Rabbi Levi Ben Gershon, you read the works of the Abar Benel, or Rabbi Shlomo Ibn Gebiril was in Spain, or Rabbi Yosef Alba was in Spain, he wrote a sefer called Sefer Ikrim, Chayvah Salavavis, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar Ben Kudah, the parts of, that deal with philosophy. I'm just giving a few of the big works. This is a very big theme. God is unmoved, he's unchangeable, nothing changes him. Ah, he knows, so say he doesn't know. They didn't want to say, Chazal never say he doesn't know. The whole Matan is based on the fact that he knows. But he does know, he doesn't know. He created or he didn't create. So this is the struggle. So Goli Viyadua, there's some type of algorithm where he knows everything without being moved, engaged, compromised, defined, limited by it because it's Goli Viyadua. It's Goli Viyadua. When I have to know something, I got to learn about it, I'm a changed person, it changes me, it adds to me, because my mind is made up of many different details. But his mind is infinite. He's the knower, he is the knowledge, and he is the known, the Rambam says. He's the knower, he's the knowledge, and he's the known. But here there's a big problem. What's the problem? <laughs> this is where Kabbalah took a very sharp turn from philosophy. If you read, you read the Tanakh, God is very vulnerable throughout the whole Tanakh. He gets upset at the world, he regrets it, he falls in love with it, he's angry, he's upset, I love you, I'm hurt by you, I'm crazy about you, you're overwhelming me, right? The whole Chumash, the whole Tanakh. It's a relationship, it's very, very intense. It doesn't look like he's not moved. <laughs> it doesn't look like some uh, transcendent being that I can't even talk about. The philosophers knew Chumash very well. So what do they always say? It doesn't mean anything it says. doesn't mean. He's not angry and he doesn't smell and he doesn't hear and he doesn't talk and he doesn't see and he doesn't feel and he doesn't... We want that people should somehow appreciate it, so it's called anthropomorphisms, which means we apply human attributes to the divine, but don't take it seriously. You can't take it seriously. Not only that, some people who only learn that when they hear. There was a teacher not long ago in a particular yeshiva who's very into philosophy. And he turned to the boys, the girls, high school here in Manhattan, near Manhattan, and he said to them, does Hashem love you? And they all heard from their parents that Hashem loved them. They said, yeah. And he said, that's apicursus. <laughs> and he explained to them, this is before Shavuos, you are all heretics. B'shoigig, of course. But as Reb Chaim said, Reb Chaim Briska, and apicursus, b'shoigig is nebuchad, nebuchad is eichan apicursus. Huh? Okay, yeah. The point is, he wanted to, God loves you? Really? God loves you? Really? Love, love, love. What does love mean? Love means I'm needy, I'm vulnerable. You add something to me, and without you, I don't have that love. I need validation. Really? This is Mamish Kfira. How do I know? A mother called me, and she wanted to know. If you're allowed to tell your children that God loves them. So it says in Tanakh, Ahafti Eschem Amar Hashem. But that's not real. It's an anthropomorphism. You want to say that God will do things to you as though He loves you. 
He gets angry. He's not angry. He can't get angry. Can get angry means you're needy. I need you. I'm disappointed. I'm frustrated, right? I'm, when you're angry, why? Because you have trauma. So God also has trauma. Why is he getting angry? Well, he didn't, well, did he have attachment or not? Hitaka didn't have parents. Huh? Artificial intelligence. I'm a chayyar, right? A computer. So, but I'm explaining this to you because this is how philosophy worked. But the word yasef, the point of perfect. That's why the biggest question is why he created the world. We create everything because we have a need. If you have no needs, you don't create things. Nobody goes to work to create a product because they have they need. Either they want to make the world a better place, or they want to make a couple of dollars, or both. That's why we, we create hospitals because of needs. We create univer- places of education because of needs. What do you do not because of a need? We plant grain because of a need. We plant fruits because of a need. We build houses because of needs. If you don't have a need, you don't do these things. Gay shlafen. That's a big problem. The Rambam, when said, why did Hashem create the world? He says, it's a stupid question to ask. He, says, he gets so upset at the question. He says... That's what he wanted, and I don't know. <laughs> Kabbalah went into a whole different world. If you read Zohar, for example, which is not philosophy, it's Kabbalah, there's a tremendous sense of romance and vulnerability. The Pardis, one of the greatest Kabbalists of Moshe Cordovero, writes, this is very sharp, he says, that whoever doesn't learn Kabbalah, Pnimi Satayra, is an apikaitis. So the Balatanya has a mime. He says, why? He said, doesn't mean he's an apikaitis. He means if he's a thoughtful person, That's what the Balatanya explains the Pardis, the Ramak, or If he's a thoughtful person, if he's not thoughtful, he's not an apikaitis. If he's thoughtful, why? Which Ramak says, why? Because ultimately, with Jewish philosophy alone, God is detached. Zolzain, he knows everything. Golivi but where does he know it? He knows it from himself. Ultimately, my experience he doesn't know. Because he knows my experience from himself. He knows the vessel from his own infinity. But can God attach himself? I go back to the beginning of the story. The chassid wanted to know if he can empathize with my pain. Does he feel the pit in my stomach? Yeah, of course! He feels the pit in my stomach? Or no, everything is his system. So he knows the pit from his, himself. There's no relationship. To put it differently, empathy means you're vulnerable. What does it feel like? You're dating your wife and you want to get engaged. Okay, so you want to you want to excite her that you're in a good relate that she has a good that you're, you're a good guy. Okay, so think about would you advise this to your son? Tell the girl, listen, I want to tell you something about me. I'm an unbelievable guy, and I have everything. I don't need you for anything. Which is amazing, because you never have to do anything for me. In fact, you can't do anything for me. (laughs) Why can't you do anything for me? Because I don't need it. But that's amazing, you know why? Because if you behave nicely, you're going to get everything from me, because I have everything to give you. You don't have to give, you can't give me anything. But if you behave and you're a good wife, you're going to get infinite blessings. And remember, you never have to feel that I'm needy, that I'm vulnerable, that you can even change me. In other words, you could be in the most miserable mood. I'm fine. I'm always perfect. And you can always come to me. And if you behave, I'll help you. 
How would your uh, Kala respond to that proposition? I'm Messiah, right? There's nothing, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing you do that will get me angry. Nothing. It's all for your benefit. For example, if you don't show up for three months, we're good. Oh, it's just for you. If you behave, I'll make believe I love you and I'll give you everything, even though I can't really love because I'm completely, I'm, I'm infinite. Why won't that impress her? I'm asking. What's missing? So, I'm a chaya, I'm on vacation. Huh? There's no connection, right? <laughs> There's no connection. The connection is only, I'll give you things, and when I give you, it looks like I'm, I'm affected by you, but really I'm not. So that's what the pardis meant, that there is an element of detachment that's created, maybe a coldness. Philosophically, maybe it works, but there's a certain lack of passion. Now the philosopher will say, tough luck. Just because you want to be romantic, it's not our problem. Not our problem. Yeah, you're right. You can't do anything for Hashem. You're right. So in Kabbalah, it shifted. And over there, in Kabbalah, God is very, very vulnerable. And when the Torah uses expressions, I love you, and I'm hurt, the Kabbalah will say it's very authentic. So the Pardah says, how? They didn't know all of this. So he says, that's why they introduced the concept of Esesvidus. Esesphiris. What's Esesphiris? Esesphiris means, Kavayachal, God has a personality. Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gvur, Teferis, Netzach, Chod, Yisoyed, Malchus, Ratzon, Tainuk. In philosophy, there's no Sphiris. There's no Atzillus. The word, the word Olam Atzillus doesn't exist in Jewish philosophy. Only in Kabbalah. What's Olam Atzillus? Olam Atzillus is God's world. The world in which Hashem's personality exists. Adam El, they call it Adam Elyon from Yecheskel. He's a person, he's an Adam. There's a persona of the divine, Kivayachal. One second. But this is against everything they said. These defined, undefined and singular. Or to put it differently, the part is just continues the question. Don't think, yeah? Don't think that Hashem is just completely removed and absolutely undefined. There's a whole personality, okay? So the question of the philosopher is now you have in the Mekabalim. Instead of having the question in this world, you have the question in Atzillus. So God is defined. So God is compartmentalized. So God is changing. So God has moods. So God has emotions. So what do you want from them? So you did it in Atzillus. He has spirits. So that's the that's the Moshe Kodavera, the Pardis. So now the Arizal came along. The Arizal was a student of the Ramak. And the Arizal said, without the Tzimtzum, you can't understand it. You have to know the Tzimtzum. He was the first one to talk about the tzimtzum. Tzimtzum is that there was a quantum leap in Ein Saif, pre-creation and post-creation. Called the tzimtzum. Tzimtzum is, Kavayachal, God withdrew his infinity and created an empty space. And over there, there was a little light that came back and created the world. And over there is Atzillus and Adam Elyon. So now comes the next question. So, so, so what is this? So pre-tzimtzum, you're right. God is unmovable. He's undefined, he's infinite. Post-Simpson, what happens? So God makes like a new God. Okay, now I'm vulnerable. What, what, what is this? Because now I'm really small. Not small, but I'm fine. I'm more or less finite. Midis. So the last step is Chsidis. 
That Simtsum is not Kipshuta. That's the last step. There's another text, another version of this Maimah from the Balatanya that was written by another writer. This was more brief. It's printed in my Mariad Manazak and Parshish in the Red Set. So over there he literally goes through. He says there was the question of the philosophers. There was the answer intimated by Chazal, Golividu, and articulated by the Rambam. The Ramak, the Pardis, says, still we're missing something major because it means there's no connection. And the whole Tanakh is based on a connection. In other words, not that he knows it as a computer. A computer also doesn't get affected. I was thinking for a muscle. I just realized the computer is a mighty dick muscle. Computer knows everything, right? And much better than anybody else. <laughs> but you're not getting married to your computer. And it seems like the whole Yiddishkeit is based that there's a relationship. According to this, there's no relationship. So the Ramah came and said, no, no, no. You have to have Esesphiris, you have to have Atsilis. And if not, he says, Soifilius Apikiris. Why? Because one of the two, either God will be detached from you, or he's going to become just another human being. <laughs> so he's not Hashem anymore. The two are both problematic. Atsilis, Sphiris, Adam Ma'alian, Kabbalah, save that. The problem is, what did you just do? You just did the same equation, just with different words. Thank you. So you turned God again into a personality that I can affect. Came the Ariza and said, no, you have to know Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum solves it. Balatanya has a Lashen, Hatiru Tzamiti. The real answer is the Tzimtzum. But all the Tzimtzum does is, what does it tell me? So that Hashem made himself, <laughs> like the question is, can God kill himself, you know? Can God make another God? Can God make a stone that he can't pick up? So what's it? Tzimtzum is a joke, it's real, it's not. So then comes this Maimah, another Maimah of the Balatanya, to define what Tzimtzum means, what Tzimtzum really means, what the Arizal meant, and therefore what the Ramak meant, and therefore what is at the core of Jewish philosophy, because it's really at the end of the day not contradictions, it's just emphasizing different truths. And what does this all bring us to? What's the conclusion of all of it? The conclusion of all of it is the ultimate Achdus Hashem. What does it mean, the ultimate Achdus Hashem? The ultimate fusion and unity of all reality with its true core, which is its infinite oneness, without the need to amputate any part of that reality, whether it's emotional vulnerability, intellectual change, and generally the vicissitudes and the changes of people. So in this Maimer now, the Balatanya takes a big jump. He finished saying, that's the neat philosophical equation where we dismissed God up there. So you have a computer, you have a supercomputer, they call it. You have a super, supercomputer. You have artificial intelligence, AI. And then you have God's computer, <laughs> the ultimate computer, the source of all the computers. And it's more than the computer. The computer you have to feed the knowledge into. How does my computer know everything? The computer has to be fed the knowledge. Once he has that knowledge through the internet, or even before the internet, whatever you fed the computer, he does it. Half of a fella. The super, super, super divine computer, you don't have to feed the knowledge into him. On the contrary, that's the source of all the knowledge. <laughs> that's the source of all computers. 
So it's a system that's very, very, uh, what's the word for it? It's a system that's in many ways predictable. Deterministic. Some people love it because it's very safe, so to speak. Right? I wouldn't say non-judgmental. It's just very, it's very technical. Yeah. It's almost like <laughs> there's no emotions. And, and, and there are people even that have a shit that in Yiddishkeit you're not supposed to have too many emotions. Because it, 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 it interferes with this. <laughs> Makes sense what I'm saying. It interferes. It's much better if there's like a system and computer, there's reward, there's punishment. It's going to make, it's going to be as though I'm getting angry. You be in denial that you don't have emotions? <laughs> Good question. Not to be in denial, but ultimately it's a disturbance for Avoid Hashem. People may not be able to articulate it consciously, but emotions are too messy. <laughs> They're too chaotic. They're scary. They're overwhelming. And they are. They are. Kabbalah, this very intense, everything is yechudim, everything is intimacy and relationships. And it's, it's tak, it's hard to understand. It's very mystical. It's extremely mystical. The Zoya and the writings of the Arizal, yechudim, everything is yechudim. What's yechudim? Yechudim means everything is about unity. And you're always affect, you're always affecting heaven. Da mala maila mimach. You wouldn't have such a line in philosophy. In Pirkei it says, Da mala maila mimach. Know what's above you. Beautiful. Know what's above you. Right? Not Uncle Sam. The Rebbeinu Shalayla. Came the Balatanya from the Maggit. It says, Da, no, mala maila mimach. Whatever is up there is from you. It's all from you. Dama. Hashem Tzilcha, God is your shadow. So what does the philosophers say? A shadow when it's sunny outside, right? You go under the shadow of a tree to protect yourself from the scorching heat. The Baal Shem Tov said, what's Pshad Hashem Tzilcha? The Baal says in Dushas Levi, Hashem used to say this often when he wanted to inspire the Eilam. What's Hashem Tzilcha? What's a shadow? A shadow always emulates you. You move your hand, the shadow moves. You take a step to shadow. Hashem Tzilcha. Hashem is your shadow. He responds to you. That's a very different type of language. So one second. So the Ramak says, yeah, you're right. Pre-Atzillus? No way. No way. Unmoved. After Atzillus? Yeah. Chesed, Guru, I have a personality. Hashem says, I have a personality. I have Midas. You can affect me. In fact, your middas come from my middas. But Salmenu Kidmusenu, that's the Chiddush in Kabbalah. This world is a mirror of his world. That's a Kabbalah idea. That's not a philosophy idea. Philosophy idea, God created the world. The world doesn't mirror him. In Kabbalah, everything mirrors him. Mipsari, echzeleka. That's a Pasuk in Eiv. From my flesh I see God. What's the meaning of that verse? Again, classical philosophy... From my flesh, I will perceive God's judgment. What does the Alter Rebbe say? By studying your psychology, you'll find out who Hashem is. Whoa. You understand? Because you're a mirror. But now we're back to the square one. So Darizo said you need tzimtzum. The tzimtzum only makes it more confusing. What happened there? So the last step... The Geula, the last step before Geula, to bring all, to bring together the Achdus, that's, that's the contribution of Chsidus. 
especially the writings of the Alter Rebbe. That's what he tries to do in this Maimah. So now the Maimah takes a serious shift. A serious shift. And I want to, it's, it's late, I want to finish. I just want to do one more line just to begin the shift to the next stage and we'll continue Bez Hashem tomorrow. Okay, we'll continue tomorrow. 7.45. You, there, it's not a contradiction that goal of the Adur. It's very clear. It's absolutely can be done. Explain. Yeah, because every, every object in the world in a way, is known, right? Just imagine that somebody designs this world with all the sensors possible. I know, just like a car, right? Car has a sensors, which like if the engine gets the wrong gasoline or whatever it is, it's known. It's known to the computer of the car or and ultimately to the internet and the, and the, the, the brand uh, central computer, the designer the designer that uh, something is wrong or, and know exactly what it is so you can understand today with the internet that you know there is a one gigantic computer right that or one the internet is a computer in a way if you think about it right so the internet is a computer that everything is connected and everything is absolutely known every system and subsystem in the world is connected. There is no, it's just one part of, like today, it's very simple to understand for a game designer that, you know, everything you create, like you, and you create such a diversity, you create different characters that interact and everything else. You create the physical reality, the, this reality, virtual reality, mixed reality, whatever it is. So everything is created. And as a designer, you know exactly, you know exactly what it is. And, pe- and the designer wants people to, to, to divine his intent. No, so when other people are going through his games, so they, they get even though he created, he still gets from the fact that people are enjoying it. It's not a theory, it is. Right. The fact that he designed it. Right. But today, today there is a paradox. In other words, he's Right? If it's not independent of you, you're right. You have to go study it. Right. But since it all began with your algorithm, right. right, and your design, and your dream, and your talent, so ultimately the whole system is created in a way that all the information is available. So to it's it's and no, it's, like it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah, uh, explanation that you gave. Because, to, un- to, I mean, there is such thing as a Jewish philosophy. And they stop at the point where Akkadah's work is a creator. That's it. That's it. Perfect. Perfect. The Kabbalah is actually becomes like, a, for me, when I studied it when I was young, and I sinned a lot, you know. I, I studied it, and for me, Kabbalah was a mathematics. What do you mean? You take, you take a you know, the model of the earth and you bring it into the ten spheres and you create the mathematical model, how it works. And it was the same thing. And you exactly pointed out. So the Rebbe, which is the next step, or Hasidus is the next step, which is is actually... Right. The Arizal step was which was the understanding of Simpson of Lokipshuta. But Lokipshuta was already Hasidus. It's not yeah, Arizal. So, like Kipshuta is Chesidus. Yeah. In other words, the problem is with Kabbalah, it's also an algorithm. It's all good. No, Instead of being a physical it's algorithm, it's mathematics. It's a spiritual algorithm. That's right. It's spherous. Yeah. Huh? So what's the idea? That the algorithm is a spiritual one. So it's like chemistry. 
The sphere is this sphere with that sphere, that sphere with that sphere. So you're back to the same problem. So it's another system that's known to him, but it can't be him unless you're defining him, unless you're making him human. So then came the idea of Tzimtzum. But the question of Tzimtzum is, so what, what happened with Tzimtzum? So, so one God was changed into a new God, Chas V'Shalom, it's right there. The pre, pre, pre so now you, split, you split him into, so now you made him a split personality. This pre-Tzimtzum God is unmoved. Post-Tzimtzum God, okay, so now you made me two gods. Chas <laughs> V'Shalom, right? And that's this was the Chiddush of Chassidus, the Tzimtzum Shalai Kipshutah. Regarding it's very, very powerful how it had evolved in history. It's, it couldn't start with this way. It couldn't start with that. Because it, it had to go to the social. Up, you know. it it to to pale compared to the ultimate question, like, like the kid asked, who created Hashem? <laughs> you know, that, Rabbi that's Rabbi something, you. It's not something Hashem that kids fill in. What you're saying the Rebbe said, uh, explain it's what the particular Rebbe school. It's not, it's, it's not yeah, just a question. A mother children. called me and she said that her son is 14 years old, whatever the age, a teenager, he came home. Teacher said that it's a pikursus to say that Hashem What's loves him. His Rebbe? I don't care what type of school it is. Because he was very into Jewish <laughs> philosophy. And the Rebbeic says that you needs. can't say Hashem loves. Sorry. It, when it says in Tchumash, when it says in Tanakh, he loves you. Avram Oyavi it's an anthropomorphism, it's a metaphor. But we, Lamaisa, believe Hashem loves you no matter what, even if you do the worst of air. I'm explaining to you what he was telling them. Uh-huh. That it's not he's emotional. Emotional means you're, you're, you're flaky. Not flaky, but you're vulnerable. Vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. You're human. You're, 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 you're weak. I love you. I don't love you. I hate you. I'm angry. I'm crazy about you. Which is a contradiction. Such a God who creates such a world. He's vulnerable. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.